0: episode 439 of Cinematary. I'm your host Zach Dennis and I'm here
1: with Reed Ramsey.
0: In today's episode we're going to be talking about movies that we saw this week in part one. In part two we're going to be continuing our Muppet series with a pair of uh, literary adaptations. Muppet Treasure Island and The Muppets Wizard of Oz. Um, which I don't think is the first. No we've done other TV movies but you know. Sorry but a big sorry to the listeners and viewers that even though Reed and I are on here, we're not going to talk about ambulance. We got all of that out in the pre show.
1: We've actually already spent about 10 minutes talking about ambulance.
0: Yeah, we got on here about 20 minutes ago and we spent 15 minutes of that talking about ambulance. And, and, and I don't know if you want like a Patreon episode or something, but it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't an analysis, it wasn't a critique. It was just us quoting scenes back to each other. <laughs> Let us know we will do it like we'll drop everything and do that like i'm completely fine an
1: excuse to rewatch it i dare you
0: honestly that would be like i wish we could do you know copyright no but i wish we could do like a youtube and like have the movie playing and then we're like in the boxes just talking the entire time
1: should we record a commentary for ambulance it would just be us going like oh shit we should
0: should pivot in that yeah we should pivot to doing commentaries but it's just like dude Dude, ah, that would just be that for for, for two hours.
1: <laughs> not not a lot of analysis.
0: No, we wouldn't. An- we wouldn't analyze anything. I feel like though, if you had a commentary with Michael Bay, it would kind of be the same thing. Like I'm sure he would explain stuff, uh, also. But a lot of it would just be like,
1: ah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it. I don't know too much about Michael Bay's like inner life, but I'm. What he did was perfect art. I'm not sure he would like. Analyze his own artwork perfectly If that makes sense
0: Oh 100% Um, right, well I'm going to kick it off uh, With a couple Movies Um, The first one I want to talk about is The Man from Uncle The 2015 Adaptation of well I guess It's not really an adaptation it's more just like Taking Taking just Cues from the uh, the TV series from the uh, 60s 70s 60s whatever um but this one it's uh directed by guy ritchie who uh it's just been kind of like in a weird place lately not to get on the whole guy ritchie thing i mean he did aladdin for disney and then it's just like done these like really really just strange but like not very marketed movies like wrath of a man there's one i guess coming out this year called operation fortune ruse Guerre. um I tried to watch The Gentleman. Have, Reed, are you, are you a fan of The Gentleman?
1: Um, I, I thought it was okay. It's not among my favorite Guy Ritchie's.
0: I tried to watch it. I got bored. I'll be honest. Yeah. Be honest. Um, but anyway, so my, my Man From U.N.C.L.E. came out in 2015. Uh, stars Henry Cavill and uh, Army Hammer and Alicia Vikander. Um, and it takes place during the Cold War. Uh, it's a spy movie there's like this like criminal organization that's going to use nuclear weapons. Um, and because that's so dire, they have to team up the United States and the Soviet union. You have a CIA agent, uh, CIA agent played uh, by Henry Cavill. And then a KGB agent played by army hammer who uh, have to use Alicia Vikander's character. Who's connected to like through blood to this criminal organization. Um, and, uh, and uh, Stop the stop the Bombs. And, um, yeah, I remember kind of uh, being like kind of being uh, agnostic to this when it came out in 2015. Um, but I've seen I've seen folks um, kind of reappraising it on on Twitter and other in uh, Letterboxd and places like that kind of going, actually, this is, you know, this is better than, especially like the marketing and that kind of stuff uh, lent it to be, and it is. It's it's really solid. It's not. It's such a weird. It's a it's a very weird spy movie for like this period because you know with spy movies it's kind of like you've got like Bond and Mission Impossible, um, and it's and those are very like. Uh, 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 like like it has a very set aesthetic in place where it, like the action is at this type of level, you know, like Bond is kind of it's always being reimagined. The James uh, the, the Daniel Craig James Bond movies um, very much are like indebted to um, the Bourne movies. Uh, but I've also kind of morphed as well into uh, looking at, you know, also being uh, paying attention to like John Wick and Mission Impossible in terms of just the action uh, action kind of landscape. And then you have Mission Impossible, which is, uh, as Reed and I were talking about before we started recording, is just, you know, they the trailers for that are just Tom Cruise doing an insane uh, uh, stunt. And that's what you go there for is just to watch awesome set pieces um and this one like honestly the even even for guy Ritchie, who like is known for kind of having this like stylized action you think of like um you know recent stuff like the sherlock holmes movies but even like snatch um lock stock and two smoking barrels like they rock and roll like those have very like stylized very uh uh uh, very like particular brands of Um, the way that he kind of shoots and choreographs the action and this one is very like action light like it's not there's not no action but it also feels like that's very secondary the 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 predominant form that Man From U.N.C.L.E. is kind of rolling in is um just kind of being charming and like very it's very 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 much built on the like chemistry between henry cavill and army hammer and just like the back and forth that they give even alicia vikander gets into it as well like the three of them together it's a lot of it's a very talky movie you know it's it's very like it's very old school in that way where it's about the wordplay. it's about um the double entendres it's about like um them saying one thing and then you know later on uh they're you know they're they're both going for like the same mission even though they're you know they're kind of talking out the side of their mouths uh before like it's it's all about like that kind of very classic like um you know like the man from uncle you know tv show get smart um but even something like you know like Pink Panther or something like that in terms of, like, being very... It being less about, like, the action set pieces and more about the the actors really, like, having to... It, like, it's a very... It's a big movie star movie. Um, and it was kind of bumming me out, like, watching Henry Cavill, who, to me, is the best part of this movie. He's really... He's super charming, super hot. Um, just, he like, very, like, exuding movie star, even more than something like... Um, Superman, And I'm kind of bummed that he did Superman because I'm like, honestly, like this is that now that they're looking for like a new James Bond, like he absolutely would have been a perfect James Bond because um, he's pretty much doing James Bond here. <laughs> he's, he's very suave. He uh, he's you know, he's at one point, he you know, he has sex with the uh, with the front desk girl. You know, he uh, drinks a lot. He uh, he's very charming. It's it's very like, um, Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton era James Bond performance. Um, and Army Hammer's good too. I mean, the guy's a cannibal, but you know he's still like he's charming in this. You know he still has got he's still got his moments. Um, and uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's this is on actually it's on HBO Max now. Um, and I don't know. I think I think what what kind of I think this what I'm describing here just kind of the lack of action and more, um. And more being just kind of this classic uh, uh, caper, you know, movie star uh, kind of vehicle. I think that's what stopped me from liking it um, when it first came out. Because you were th- you were kind of expecting it to be more action heavy, be more stylized like a Guy Ritchie movie. And it's just very classic. It's very, it's um, it moves, it's paced pretty well. It drags a little bit some in some parts just because um, they get a little too bogged down and like people people trading allegiances and shit like that um the 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 kind of nice um side character that pops up is Hugh Grant who uh who's kind of I think this is the start of him kind of doing more character roles especially for guy Ritchie who he's been in I think the last th- uh, two or three of his movies now um but he plays this uh British intelligence agent um who's also kind of in the middle of this whole scrape um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, I, I, th- I kind of think it's a good time. Um, Reed, have you seen uh, Man From Uncle?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's like definitely worth your time. And I hadn't really thought about it until you were talking. Um, but it does seem like, although on the surface it seemed like the perfect Guy Ritchie movie, um, the way you're describing it and the way he's like dealing with the stars in it and the action is pretty like antithetical to like i feel like how he yeah. builds a lot of his movies because really the only movie star he consistently works with is jason statham and it's like clear that their sensibilities just like mesh so well that it like makes perfect sense but here here he's like doing real like like kind of work outside of his normal uh frame of reference i feel like which is-
0: And honestly, if I didn't say that it was directed by Guy Ritchie and you didn't know who it was directed by, you would not think it was Guy Ritchie. Um, Which is
1: weird for one of his movies. Outside of Aladdin, that's weird. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like every one of his movies, whether you like it or not, you know that he directed it. And this one feels very – and it's kind of a bummer because you can tell from the end that they're kind of trying to set this up as a franchise. And it honestly would have been a really fun franchise to have it's It kind of reminds me honestly of a movie I was I championed a couple months ago, that came out last year. um Confess Fletch which is a very which is another very unassuming movie but is like clever is really fun it's not like overly hilarious and overly actiony but like it's just kind of has a good like John Hamm has like a movie star performance it's just kind of like a breezy movie to to take in and I, it reminds me very much of the same thing that because it doesn't have like it's not, like, overly funny or overly action-y. It, people kind of, like, go, eh, whatever. kind of forget about it. Um, and I'm like, both of those movies deserve, like... Like, I would I would watch, like, five or six Man from U.N.C.L.E. movies uh, with this cast.
1: And so, same with Fletch, actually. I liked that movie a lot. Um, and hopefully that one, at least, will have, like, a lower threshold of a budget to kind of, like, make yeah. it easier to make again and... What whatnot, but it is a bummer we didn't get more man from uncles.
0: Yeah, because I mean, both of the stars are, or all, all three of the stars are, um, are really good. They they really work off of each other, and even like the set pieces. Um, you have like the f- the main one you get is when Henry Cavill comes. It's near the beginning. He comes and he's trying to you know get Alicia Vikander to come with him, but Army Hammer's also following them at the same time, and you kind of have the, this interplay between. Um, the two of them trying to get away from Army hammer's character and it's again it's not like you know it's not it's not like casino royale bond where he's like you know jumping through the jungle and like uh you know on cranes and buildings and shit like that and it's not mission impossible where you know he's climbing a building in dubai but like it's just kind of like this nice like like it's almost guy ritchie um like trying to not be Guy Ritchie because it's like I it's like he's like I know how to go through how to make a you know an action scene work but I'm also not gonna like make it you know I'm not gonna make it like a Guy Ritchie one it's kind of it's so it's just like this weird it's this weird um, push and pull where he, like he's flexing the skills because he's like I've made these types of, you know I made action movies you know my whole career but also is not trying to like overdo it where you feel like you know like yeah it's like like Jason Statham should be there instead of one of these two guys
1: right yeah good movies
0: so I don't know' it, if you're looking for something kind of kind of kind of nice pleasant it's a good pleasant watch um man from uncle it's on uh, it's on HBO Max right now um the other movie i uh i watched is the sting very classic movie um joy uh, george, george roy hill uh directed it you got paul newman robert redford robert shaw charles durning for those who watched or listened to the first episode with the muppet movie um charles durning is you know the entire time in the sting i was like oh he's looking for some frog legs um in this one um but uh for those who are unfamiliar with this thing uh set in the 30s and it's kind of the movie itself is very much like the prototype of the uh of the kind of heist caper movie um you know you can see the you can kind of see like the 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 template for like the oceans movies or Honestly, this is like a template. this is like a template for a lot of Steven Soderbergh movies. Like it, it's very much the template for uh, the Ocean's movies, Out of Sight, uh, Logan Lucky, like like all that. Like like I think that's kind of why I had to watch it because I'm like, oh yeah, Soderbergh has has studied this thing. Um, but uh, the plot pretty much is uh, Robert Redford is this is this young small town crook. Um, he, uh, he 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 uh, he got a um, they, they stole a bunch of money, not realizing it was for this like crime ring, um, and so he and his partner uh, are getting hunted down. Um, his partner gets killed, and Robert Redford has to go on the run, and so he ends up in Chicago? Chicago. Um, with this veteran con man played by uh, Paul Newman, and when he gets there, they plan to seek revenge on this crime lord who's played by Robert Shaw. Um, by pulling this very elaborate caper um, and it's you know get the team together they're you know they're they're coming up with the sting they're coming up with the what you know what they're gonna be doing uh, everybody kind of has their roles um yeah this is another one like we were talking about like a movie star movie this is a very much a movie star movie like um it, it's kind of a movie that I think gets more attributed to uh, Robert Redford who let me double check but I'm pretty sure. Um was nominated for this movie in the for Academy Awards? Yes. Yes, he was nominated. He was not nominated for an Academy Award. Um But to me, I, I don't know. I like I really like Paul Newman in this movie. One, he's a little little, little older, a little dustier, um, still super hot. Like you meet him and he has like this uh he has uh overalls on and kind of like this um this just this uh, uh 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 what's that? What's it called? Oh, he has like kind of like the open shirt, um, and like his hat, and he's just like smoking and like doing like working on stuff, and you're like, yeah, dude's hot. Um, yeah, what are you gonna do? And uh, and, and like a lot of his stuff is just like him kind of movie starring it, smarming his way through things, like like all of his all of his scenes, all of his uh all of his work is very much built on. You got to be charming. You got to be fucking Paul Newman. Um, Like the, 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 my favorite scene of his is part of the, part of the sting is that he has to like create this, uh, create this character that Robert Shaw fucking hates. Um, And so they get a piece and they're going to do that by beating him in this poker game on this train. And so Paul Newman plays the is going to play the guy who he's going to go and piss him off and win all this uh, win this poker game, and like Robert uh, and Paul Newman like plays it where he's kind of like this half drunk uh, uh, mogul guy, and like the entire time is calling Robert Shaw's character who his uh, last name is. Uh, yeah, his name's Doyle Lonigan. He's like calling. He's like mispronouncing Lonigan every time. He like is like swashing his like because he had, has like his bottle of whiskey or whatever. Or no, his no, his, his bottle of gin because he's like take gin when you go on on stings because you can fill half of it up with water and it won't you they won't be able to tell the difference. Um, and he's just like swashing it around and like you know like ribbing people and it's just like this great like. Um, Like he, like pretty, like he, he's just owning the room the entire time. It's like this great, this great movie star performance, Um, and you know, it's it's this movie. You know, like I said, like I described all these kind of Soderbergh movies that this is very much the prototype for, and it plays like that. Like it kind of just has this clockwork, you know. It feels very, very mechanized. Mechanized, and I don't say that like as a bad thing, but it kind of it has those plot beats that it's gonna hit um and it kind of you I don't, to me it didn't elicit like a giant reaction but it very much like the film worked exactly like you like you've assumed the film would work and you you reacted in the way that you was that like you know it, it very much it knew what it was doing and it played to that um but it's on it's on netflix now it's kind of one of those like you know you got to see him type things. Um, but I don't know. I think just on its own, it's worth, it's worth seeing, you know, young Robert Redford, always super good, but like a really good Paul Newman movie star role as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. This thing. I think this would be a movie you would like.
1: Probably. I mean, you had me sold at Soderbergh's remade it. Soderbergh's
0: remade it a bunch of times and it's, it's great every time. It's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, we're talking about, uh, ambulance, um like like in the you have these movies that just kind of remake heat or remake speed over and over again and like like the, the those initial movies are great but like just the the you know like the stripping up from all the, you know stripping all of those away and just like looking at the parts the parts of those movies are just so satisfying because if you just follow the the game plan it's always super effective if you do it right. And so like, this is a, the sting is very much one of those movies where you, you know, you strip it from of, like of what this movie is and just use the bare bones. And that's what Soderbergh's done a gazillion times is he's just kind of uses the plot beats of that. And it's always satisfying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It allows him to also just make up news, any characters too. So,
0: um, all right, well, I'm going to toss it over to you. You have our, our new release for the, for the week
1: yeah i am talking about plane which i like to like yell when i tell someone i'm going to see plane you know because it's just i don't know it's so reads a simple
0: man he you know plane ambulance old that's all he needs
1: <laughs> that's so true what else what else well okay uh this one has one thing not in common with those two it will probably it, it just won't be my favorite movie of the year Unless, unless it's truly all downhill. From here, it's the only movie I've seen now. So right now, I guess it's my number one of 2020.
0: I mean, you, I mean, you already declared last year that Knock at the ca- at the Cabin Door or whatever is going to be your top movie. I mean, movie, it's, so. got,
1: it's got a better shot than most. <laughs> yeah. That seems like the yeah. only way to put it. But uh, but Plane is, it's a new action movie from director, I had to, I had to look this up, but director Jean-Francois Rochette. i not sure. I'm not, let's see. I'm not really familiar with much of his work. Oh, he did the remake of Assault on Precinct 13. I haven't seen that. But uh that looks like the only one I'm even familiar. He did Bloodfather with Mel Gibson a few years ago. If you remember when that was released, I didn't see Bloodfather. Nice, nice It's a movie. Nice, nice
0: Mel Gibson role.
1: <laughs> yeah, nice Mel Gibson role in 2016. Um but uh plane is the new movie from him starring Gerard Butler and I'm had to look up uh Mike Coulter they're kind of the two main characters of the movie but Gerard it's really Gerard Butler's movie he plays this pilot who is flying to Tokyo and pretty early on into the flight uh they're having technical malfunctions and of course one of my favorite tropes in any um action movie really is like the the yuppie. You know that one guy who like accidentally or purposely fucks everything up just because like he's not like the gruff action star? Like in Die Hard you have um oh the guy that does cocaine on his desk and speed. He's not in Speed he's not as integral of like he doesn't play a role in the mechanics of the plot, but you have um Alan Ruck and Speed is like the dumb yuppie from New York visiting LA. Or not from New York. He's from he's not even a yuppie, I guess. But like he's just not from LA. Is kind of the vibe. But in this one, basically the one of the higher ups, one of the technicians at uh the airline tells Gerard Butler's pilot that it is not cost effective for him to fly above the clouds above the storm tells them to just fly straight into it so already you got a good start to this movie (laughs) because gerard butler's just barreling right towards the storm on like a 14 hour flight to tokyo um and the other important information is this also does speed a little bit in the first like few minutes because it's also just like it's a apparently a very low volume flight in terms of passengers there's only like 14 people aboard which I don't know what flight to Tokyo is going to have 14 people, but this one, apparently. And then, of course, one of the people on the board is an inmate who's wanted for murder who's being extradited. So he's there. He's handcuffed. That is the the character played by Mike Coulter. Um, and then he has... I like they always got to have somebody like exactly, that, too. Exactly. He has, like, a... I don't know, like a, a war... Like a bailiff or like a handler or someone like Mm -hmm. basically making sure he gets to where he needs to go and this guy's like keeping all the other passengers away from him like it's very clear from the beginning like he's you don't need to be near this guy um so basically they're on this like mostly empty plane and then pretty early on is when the plane like experiences like malfunctions because of storm um and then one of the coolest parts of the movie is that in my recollection, it does the plane crash. And sorry, if this is a spoiler to an extent. This happens in the first thirty minutes. It does the plane crash in like real time, which is like an interesting idea, kind of like the Twenty Four, the TV show with Kiefer Sutherland, like that that idea. Like, <laughs> it. So Gerard Butler's like, how long do we have until our engines completely fail? And then his co-pilot's like, ten minutes. And then from there, like clock ticking. Like I'm pretty sure if you started a, a timer, it would be pretty close to exactly ten minutes. So, like, that was a neat, neat moment. And the the plane crash is done pretty well. The CGI in the movie is, like, really, really rough. Like, really bottom-barrel stuff. But the actual, like, inside the plane as it's crashing is pretty neat. And then some pretty, like, gruesome turbulence, which is pretty disturbing as someone who flies occasionally. um, Seeing, like, all this stuff happen with, like, turbulence. But... Uh, so basically, then they land the plane, and of course, they land it in a hostile part of the Philippines on an island that's apparently not even like it's part of the Philippines, but the Philippine government won't even go there because it's just like run by criminals, is the gist basically. So I
0: don't know if I like that setup, but okay. Yeah,
1: it's uh, <laughs> we'll roll really it. problematic. As it sounds, um, once you get there. But one of the funniest parts to me was as soon as he like successfully lands this plane, and like, there's been so, like there's injuries and stuff, and like people aren't perfect, but he successfully lands this plane like a normal landing, on a road on this island, and um, they get off the plane, and at this point Gerard Butler's character knows he's in like a hostile uh, part of the Philippines because like his co-pilot knew for some reason. Whatever, but
0: uh, oh, did you not know that I called it Nat Geo <laughs> I know,
1: it's ridiculous. But then they they land and they get off the plane and all the like passengers are just, like, irate that they're inconvenienced. And I'm like, dude, you just survived a plane crash. You can't at least, like, congratulate the guy for saving your life? Like, they are, like, mad you at him. You could have been dead. They're like, why'd you land us here? Like, what, are we gonna be here for, like, days? Like, what is happening? And I'm like, just chill. Please, he just land. like... I know he's not, like, Sully Sullenbarger landing on, like, <laughs> the Hudson, the- but he, he did land the plane. <laughs> um, so... They land, and then from there, it really, like, uh, it becomes just, like, a much more generic, honestly, pretty uninteresting action movie, unfortunately. You have um the guy that is wanted for murder, of course, is, like, a really integral part. They're, like, kind of a partnership between him and Gerard Butler. Because Gerard Butler is just, like, not very good at fighting in the movie, which is, like, kind of fun, because, like, you're used to seeing Gerard Butler, like, kick ass. Like, here, he he's, like, really struggling, like, more, like, like, uh... I don't know. It's more like John Wick style. Like he's like struggling to like kill people and stuff because um, he's like a pilot. He's not trained to murder people trying to kill him. But the guy he's with is, of course. Uh, so this guy like is saving um, him a ton, and it it becomes like far less interesting from there. Uh, but overall, like I would I would recommend it for like a good time. But it's not it's not. It did not live up to what I wanted it to be, which was, like, a super fun, dumb action movie. Instead, it's, like, a... It's kind of fun. So... No, No Gerard Butler Renaissance happening from this one, in my opinion. Which would have been nice, you know? I, I mean, maybe. Maybe that'd be nice. I don't know. But, yeah. That's pretty much all I got to say about playing. It's fine. It
0: sounds like a January movie.
1: <laughs> it, it fits... Perfectly. I had um, I went with uh my wife and a friend, and our friend was running late for various reasons. Like we were running late too. So like I, like it had barely started when by the time we got in, um, but my friend was very late, and by the time she sat down, like I leaned over to her and I said, like I'm worried you might have missed all the plane stuff. Like (laughs) it all happens pretty quickly.
0: (laughs) Are you sure? that there's plane stuff in this because it seems like we're just in a jungle yeah, right now you're just
1: watching an island jungle kind of racist movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> I came here for the plane yeah. stuff
1: there there definitely should have been more plane stuff in this would be would be my suggestion
0: yeah you know, you know the, I'm sure I'm sure the passengers got over it you know it could have been worse they could have been flying southwest during the holiday season so we could, like, you know, take take what you get. That was just a Delta flight. You know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what is the airline? Did they just, like, make a generic airline? Yeah, I
1: forget the name of it, but it, it's not. It would have been really funny
0: if they were just like, yeah, United. <laughs> <And you're> like...
1: <laughs> that would have been great.
0: <laughs> See, like, honestly, that would be a much better movie is if, like, you know, like, if they were on
1: a spirit flight, you'd know exactly what you're getting into. Yes. Yes. I need to look it up now because I'm sure it was something funny, like many meaning to allude to something like they're like, it's a spirit flight. So like you're getting hit with all these this luggage during turbulence
0: that everybody had to pay an extra thirty five dollars for and you have no foot, you have no foot room or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Like just have like some real inside baseball like plane stuff. That's what I would have done in this movie.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't find it. I'm. I may have to watch the movie again to figure this out. But I mean, the the Rolling Stone review headline was plain as the Frontier Airlines of Action Movies."
0: Yeah, see, they're exactly like I'm. Like, like it would have been really funny. Like they couldn't have done it because companies are wimps. But like it would have been really funny. if They had, <laughs> If they were like American Airlines. and They just like ma- like made it, and then they like, curtailed the horror of the plane landing crash thing to what you would also have to deal with on that specific type of oh
1: God, flight that'd be so good like all the weird little all the weird little inconveniences you get from each airline
0: if you're a screenwriter listening to this have at it That's a free id get you know give me throw me you know throw us like a thank zach and reed or something but like that's fine you take like i want to see this so
1: yeah honestly that's not even like a january movie that's more like a september movie give right it to there me.
0: Alright, well, we're gonna be uh we're gonna be we're gonna be whisked off to some 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 worlds in a minute, uh, as we go to Treasure Island in Wizard of Oz part two after this.
1: I got cabin fever, it's burning in my brain.
0: I got the cabin fever, it's driving me insane. We got
1: cabin fever with flipping our bandanas. It's been stuck at sea so long that we have simply gone bananas. Our team- cabin fever we lost what sense we had we got cabin fever we're all going mad
0: and we're back with part two of episode 439 of cinematary in this part we're going to be continuing our muppet series with two literary adaptations the first one from 1996 is muppet Treasure Island. Directed by Brian Henson uh, from a script by Jerry Jewell, Kirk R. Thatcher, and James V. Hart. The film stars Tim Curry, Kevin Bishop, Kermit the Frog, Fozzie Bear, Great Gonzo, Rizzo the Rat, and Miss Piggy. A reworking of Robert Louis Stevenson's classic tale in which the Muppets take to the high seas in search of buried treasure. Young Jim Hawkins is given a treasure map by a mysterious sailor and sets sail with his friends the Great Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat. Among the crew is the mutinous sea dog, Long John Silver, who has his own plans for the loot. Following the release of The Muppet Christmas Carol in 1992, it was decided that the next Muppet film would be an adaptation of a classic story. Co-writer Kirk R. Thatcher stated, There were a whole bunch of ideas out there, and I was most keen on Treasure Island in a King Arthur story with medieval dragons and knights. In the end, we all agreed as a group that Treasure Island was a better story for the Muppets to take on. Though, King Arthur sounds good too. Um, In the first draft, Gonzo and Rizzo were initially written to portray two characters named Jim and Hawkins. But Thatcher explained that, quote, the studio was nervous that they couldn't hold the emotional heart of the movie, so eventually the human Jim Hawkins was written in, and we cast Gonzo and Rizzo alongside him. Future note, Gonzo and Rizzo absolutely could have carried the emotional heart of this movie, because the Jim Hawkins kid is super fucking boring. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> about a hundred actors auditioned the, uh, for the role of jim hawkins but kevin bishop who did the very first audition received the part uh veteran muppet performer frank oz was unavailable for most of the shooting due to scheduling conflicts with his directing career so fellow muppet performer kevin clash puppeteered his characters on set while oz dubbed the voices in post-production oz had already participated in a recorded read-through of the script class Clash used these recordings to help prompt his performances. According to Clash, Oz gave him a brief description of each of his characters prior to shooting. Oz described Miss Piggy as, quote, a truck driver wanting to be a woman and Fozzie Bear as "some somebody similar to Jerry Lewis. Um... Tim Curry said that the uh, said that Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island is one of his favorite roles. In his biography, he wrote, uh, "quote It was one of the happiest sets I've ever been on." There's a conspicuous uh, lack of eco among the Muppets. What's extraordinary is that after the first day or two, you don't think of them as Muppets. You think of them as characters, as fellow actors. Um, In 1996, the New York Times said, all this playfulness lends the live-action movie as uh, insouciance that keeps the story amusingly off-kilter. The mood is uh, perfectly in keeping with the notion of the Muppets as contemporary children dressing up and improvising their own versions of classic tales. In this send-up of Treasure Island, there was no compelling heroes or villains, and the suspense is minimal. Most of the fun lies in watching the Muppets diffuse the swashbuckling tale of its scariness by superimposing their own Uh, precociously verbal identities onto their characters and in 1996 roger ebert said muppet treasure island will entertain you more or less in proportion to your affection for the muppets if you like them you'll probably like this uh i think ebert is is slowly kind of getting like i'm tired of the muppets i'm good um on that let's talk a little bit about muppet uh treasure island um reed you said you're not you you're not incredibly familiar with the muppets so uh what was uh what, was your, what were your thoughts kind of jumping into this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I knew we were doing the Muppet series, but I hadn't signed up for any. So when you messaged me last week, I realized I needed to watch some Muppet movies. Um, and so I watched the original Muppet movie. Uh, and then I w- I've watched one episode of the TV show, and now I've seen Treasure Island. Um, I don't, Is it the original TV show, like 1976, whatever's on Disney Plus? Yes. Yeah? Okay. So I watched, like, the first episode there. Um, but I I didn't watch them much as a kid. Like, I was familiar with some of the characters, but I guess i just, for whatever reason, did to watch them. Um, but I, I, like, really enjoyed this movie. Um, pretty much for the... Ebert was kind of right, like, pretty much for the same reason. Like, I enjoyed the Muppet original movie. Um for the characters, for the wordplay. Like, I think that you can probably speak to it better, but, like, wordplay seems to be, like, one of the biggest staples of the Muppet genre. Like, comedy based on misunderstanding what words they're saying, essentially, or, like, double entendre, stuff like that. Um, And I love that. And then, especially here, Tim Curry is just so good. Like, there's he looks like he's having as much fun as he says he's having, because he is so good in this movie, Uh, which is absurd, because he's just playing, like, pretty much the tim curry role he plays pretty much every time but he's really funny with the muppets and then um as you also alluded to like with the the emotional core of the movie it feels so absurd but like you really care about the muppets you really care about <laughs> puppets it's so stupid but like i really there are moments kermit has some real emotional moments and so does Fozzie and gonzo like i mean you really get attached to all them and like they have they're genuinely acting like among the story mr. and like playing with characters yeah
0: mr bimbo and his finger <laughs> yes
1: that's so good but i like uh i think what i and this is probably true i guess to all the muppet movies if it's true to treasure island but i really liked that um they're not, they're not like, uh, well, okay, that Kermit is the actor in this movie, if that makes sense. I really like that they're all cast within the movie, um, and that it's not like this is the guy playing Kermit playing that role. Like, I really like that on the title cards, it's like uh, Captain Smollett played by Kermit the Frog. Like, I really, I don't know, that's a nice, charming little thing. Yeah. Um,
0: go ahead I was just gonna say this one and this one's unique because I mean there's you in the in the, the two movies we've talked about so far the Muppet movie which you've seen in, in Muppet, Great Muppet Caper it's a lot of specifically the Muppet movie like that's built on there's a bunch of human actors playing characters but it's more like cameos they're like kind of extended cameo type things Great Muppet Caper is less so there's a couple cameos but there's you know like Charles Grodin has a role uh, Diana Rigg has a role Um, In this one, you get, like, Billy Connolly in the beginning, you get Jennifer Saunders in the beginning, and then you get Tim Curry for the rest of the movie. And that's predominantly the most... There's, like, two or three other pirates that are humans, but that's pretty much it. It's, like, all Muppets to that point. Yeah,
1: and none of them are, like, like, stunt-casted cameos, basically. Like, the first one I was, No, they all fit. Yeah, the first one I was, like, you're just waiting for who's gonna pop up next. Like, they're all fine roles, but, like, Orson Welles... Steve Martin? Like, you just run down a list of, name of names of people that were popular in the 70s, and they might have been yeah, in the yeah, Muppets. The,
0: fir- the first movie is very much, like, running through, like, who who are, who are movie stars in the 1970s that can pop up in this.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it's better off for that, I think. But, like, this one works so well, because it, it, it feels like a legit movie just made with the Muppets as actors. Um, and it's so fun. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's really... At, at times it's like almost racy with some of like the miss piggy stuff and like
0: oh it's a horny movie yeah
1: long john like that is either way <laughs> the line delivery of miss piggy saying long john is like yeah, that's top top tier work there
0: like like she delivers the line where you know if you got young children in the car close their ears but like miss piggy like miss Piggy like sucked his dick so
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty clear
0: yeah, super clear. Yeah. Like uh, Miss Piggy and uh, Long John Silver were fucking around.
1: Yeah. But um yeah, super funny movie. Completely engaging. Like you never really feel like you're just watching like a kids movie or like completely outside of it watching puppets. Like I don't I really enjoyed it. I'm my Muppet journey is not ending here on Treasure Island. Yeah,
0: no, it's um This this one was good because this one was kind of more interesting than the previous two that we did. Just because the literary adaptations are are kind of fascinating because like whether it's *Christmas Carol*, *Treasure Island*, we're gonna talk about *Wizard of Oz* in a little bit. Like you have those kind of characters in mind of like this is what you know you expect from uh, Captain Smollett, and this is kind of what you expect from uh, uh, you know like the Lion, the Tin Man, and you know stuff like that. But, like, adding, like, the Muppets... So then, you know, even more interesting than, like, having... To me, it's almost even more interesting than, like, having an actor. Like, if you had, uh, you know, if, like, you had, like... We talked about Robert Redford earlier. If Robert Redford was going to play, like, the lion in a Wizard of Oz movie, like, you would be like, oh, what's his interpretation of it? Like, that's fine. But to me, it's way more interesting, like, in Muppet Treasure Island to have, like, you know, the... Like, what is... How is Fozzie Bear... Gonna make like, because because like the character is half what the character is and half just who Fozzie Bear is, um, and so like they're just these kind of like fascinating performances because like Captain Smollett is half is a little bit of like what the character is like in the book and the, and things like that, but then also it's just kind of like Kermit the Frog by the end of the you know at the end of the day, um you know like uh the rat and gonzo are just there to kind of just be just crazy guys like it like i honestly like they should have just done jim and hawkins because that would have again like i was talking about before like the kid who plays jim hawkins is is just the worst like i just get sick of him
1: it kind of makes sense that you said that they were originally written a different role because they do just kind of feel thrown in
0: yeah they feel they feel very like 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 he's just friends with it and you're like no like and but they and they don't really have they're kind of the weird even though I like I like both they're great in this movie um, they their characters are very weird because um, yeah like I said like they are very much like just playing Rizzo and I don't think they even have names I think they're just Rizzo and Gonzo. <laughs> if I'm, I'm a, I'll look real quick but I'm pretty sure they're just playing themselves um, but but yeah I mean I think it's just uh you know to me um, I think this one is very. You know, I I haven't seen all of the the. I need to watch Christmas Carol. I it's probably the more, maybe more famous than this one. I think it's it's a little bit more well known. It gets it, it gets a play during the Christmas season for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think like kind of just like just kind of tossing them into the different, you know, different, uh, you know, literature or just other, you know, movies, things like that. And just kind of like getting their interpretation of it. I think this is probably one of the most ideal you're going to get because yeah, it, 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 it kind of goes by the broad strokes of the, the, the story of treasure Island. Um, but then yeah, fills it in with like kooky Muppet stuff, uh, you know, Tim Curry, like, giving it, like a, tw- a 12 out of 10 performance. Um, I just love, like, like, there's just like moments like Gonzo's just such a fucking freak. Like, whenever they're like stretching him out and he's like, yes, oh yeah. yeah! That
1: seems so good. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, they're, they're,
0: like, it's just a bunch of, just a bunch of freaks. Um,
1: which even that just felt like an excuse to like show like some more puppetry too though because then like the next scene he's just like waving (laughs) his lips waving (laughs) his hands
0: up in the air he's just like like he's just such a freak i love gonzo um and uh yeah no it's just i think uh i think this is kind of the ideal because you you've kind of ditched the human cameos and now they're like humans playing actual roles and this one again like you were talking about tim curry tim curry is great because and they've nailed it at least in the three movies that we watched um they don't nail it the next movie i'll just spoil that um in the in wizard of oz (laughs) we're gonna talk about they don't nail it in that but in like muppet movie um and uh and great uh caper and this one like the human compliments like the human actors feel very like they're given 110 percent like um tim curry and then billy Connolly and jennifer saunders before him in this movie like are all like giving it their all so whenever you get a human character um it feels very committed it doesn't feel like a half-assed performance which is great um I'm trying to. This one, this all the. Uh, oh no! It wasn't this one that. Actually, no. The, the fun fact about this one is that Hans Zimmer did the music for this.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, I saw it in the in the credits.
1: I guess that's that's like pretty early for him. I feel it's, like it's,
0: it's like a proto. It's a, he's he's preparing for Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of one thing I was gonna say. I think one of the reasons. Um, and you are talking about why this one gets a little better play than some other adaptations, too. But I think one of the reasons is, like, we're familiar with, like, this story has been kind of deconstructed and redone so many times. Like, it's very similar to the Pirates of the Caribbean. It's very similar to, like, so many movies that have come out since, I guess, Treasure Island was written in, like, the late... 19th century but i don't know that many people that are like beat by beat familiar with the characters and plot of like robert lewis stevens's treasure island are you
0: to be fair mike my my frame of reference is treasure planet yeah very underrated disney movie
1: <laughs> yeah which that one's probably a fairly close adaptation i haven't seen it in it is forever. It's,
0: a good, it's a good one but
1: like i feel like we're familiar with the idea of this story but not as much with like everything about it whereas even like a christmas carol like i There's few people, I feel like, that don't know kind of every moment of the story. Um, So this one, too, like, while it's, like, adapting familiar characters, it's not, like... They can get away with more than I feel like they can with, like, Wizard of Oz or something else. Well,
0: that's what's... And that's what's weird about Wizard of Oz, because Wizard of Oz, they actually they they genuinely uh, they said they based a lot of it off of the actual like novel the wizard of oz rather than the mo- the thir- you know 1939 movie um and you know there's still a lot of like um there's still a little bit of rollover but in terms of like the different there a lot of the sets are like very cgi and things like that but it doesn't look like they're just totally just ripping off um, the Judy Garland movie it feels very much like they they are kind of like doing um, for good or bad, their own thing. Um, but yeah, no, this one, this one, I think, I think, yeah, because, and especially like up, up to this point, you had a couple, like the three, um, Treasure Island adaptations and movies. Um, I think that's what, I think that's what Ebert said. Like they, at this point they've had like two or three adaptations of movie. And so, yeah, I don't think it's like a super familiar plot line and like, you know, pirate movies as, as. As you'll learn, you know, you know, a little bit later with Pirates of the Caribbean, um, popular. But, uh, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought this was, I thought this one was great. Um, it just hated that kid.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so what I realized while watching it, there's a mo- there's a, well, there's a stretch of time towards the end where he pretty much disappears. Um, and it's really great. And then he pops back on on the ship as they're coming to save them. And I'm like, oh, he's still here. Like I, I forgot like aggressively to... awful. Yeah, I'd forgotten he was supposed to be there, because I was having so much fun with Kermit and Piggy and everyone else. Tim. Curry.
0: Yeah, and that's the and that's the you know it, it's it's kind of has the fault of like you know, the bad guy is Long John Silver, but Tim Curry so fun. That you're kind of just rooting for him and <laughs> you're like, yeah, you can like kill this kid, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leave the kid on the island. I don't care. <laughs> he kind of sucks. We'll just hang out with you, man. Um, But, but, but yeah, no, I think um, I like that also that th- this one even more so than like the two that we've watched so far feels like all the Muppets just getting to like, where like to fly their freak flags. Like, um, like I mentioned Gonzo being a freak, um, Fozzie is just like unhinged the entire time. So they're talking to Mr. Bimbo, which is who's in his finger. And Kermit <laughs> like also just... really
1: can't stand him in this movie. I feel like, like <laughs> he puts up with him because he's like what he's like second in charge. I think he's like. Well, he's
0: the guy who finances the thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. But Kermit just like isn't there to deal with <laughs> Fozzie's shit.
0: Yeah, um, and so they're and so they're great. I'm trying to think of some of the other. Some of the other ones, some of the other ones in here. I mean, like... Uh, Rizzo. Rizzo's pretty... Oh, that's what I love about Rizzo, is I love that they have the, the the stupid... They're not even stupid, just the silly side thing that's not even a plot, but is the other rats who are taking a cruise yes. the entire
1: time. <laughs> yes, on this marooned island, and they're, like, eating dinner at, like, a resort there as... As, um... Shoot, as... As the, they're all about to be killed. Like, it, hilarious. Yes.
0: No, I love, like, just throughout the whole time at the island, they, you have, like, this cruise ship group that's, like, that's all that's also along the way with them. Um, that cracks me the up. The
1: bit... There's a really funny... I think it's Fozzie there. I, there's a bit in the beginning where Tim Curry is still, like, pretending to be the, like, cook of the ship or whatever, and he brings in the, like... Hundred-year-old Scotch or whatever for them to drink to toast to them. Like, <laughs> yeah, he keeps trying to drink and it keeps, and throw it. Yeah, he keeps Kermit's like, "I'm not permitting any alcohol on this ship with these pirates." And Fozzie's like, "Oh yeah, let me throw this out the window." And then he, then Tim Curry's like, "Well, you know, it's always good to toast." And Fozzie's immediately pouring another glass. Like it's just so good. Like he throws away like the whole bottle of Scotch. Yeah,
0: and then the the rats like come up and they're like drunk because they've been getting hit with the with the with the Scotch. It's great. Um. No, and then you mentioned before like that you know Miss Piggy and, and Long John Silver clearly had a pass. Like it's also just like a supremely horny movie. Um like just every you know just a bunch, like like it's such a it's such a freaks movie. I really respect it. <laughs> <laughs> like just like, at, like most out of any of the ones so, like you got little hints of it last in the last movie on Muppet Caper where Charles Grodin clearly wants to fuck Miss Piggy the entire time. But like this one is just like pure like like, the the cuffs are off or on you know in some situations who knows, um, and they're just kind of freaks. I also love the like kind of auxiliary cast, the supporting cast of Muppets, the kind of second tier folks, um, just a bunch of just a bunch of nice like. I guess you know you're. I I don't know. I guess you're seeing like the progression of them through movies or the show or whatever as these kind of go along. But I like the like oddball like evil crew who then shows up as like partial. A lot of them show up as like the evil crew in uh, Wizard of Oz is like they're they're also like super fun. I like the guy who just has hair and has but still has the glasses on over the hair. I like Angel Maria. The, the, the ugly guy yeah and then the like um, green yeah. ugly guy it's
1: like a band like it's dr teeth right <clears throat> makes an appearance the uh who are the two old guys what are their names
0: oh statler and waldorf
1: yeah they're just like uh, they're carved into the bow of the ship right yeah they are that's a funny idea too
0: no um well before we go to the wizard of oz yeah um i don't know i really like tre- i like treasure island a lot um until we switch over to Wizard of Oz, three for three on Muppets movies. All right, let me switch over to Wizard of Oz now. <laughs> um, Reed didn't see this one because it's you know it's a bunch to watch a gazillion. I don't blame you; it's a lot of Muppets movies. So, I'll fly. I'm flying solo on Wizard of Oz at least for uh, at least for just kind of breaking it down. But this one was directed by Kirk Thatcher, who was one of the writers on. Um, Treasure Island from a script by Deborah Frank, Steve Hayes, Tom Martin, and Adam Goldberg. Film stars Ashanti, Queen Latifah, David Allen Greer, Pepe, the King Prawn, uh, Kermit the Frog, uh, Fozzie Bear, Great Gonzo, and Miss Piggy. Dorothy lives in Kansas with her Auntie Em, while dreaming of success as a singer in Hollywood. Her wishes just be, just might come true when a tornado whisks her away to the magical land of Oz, where she hears about a great wizard who can grant your greatest desires. Um, when the Walt Disney company acquired the Muppets franchise from the Jim Henson company in February, 2004, the Muppets were re reintroduced to the public by marketing products and guest appearing on television, television shows such as good morning America and America's funniest home videos. This, uh, this was the last Muppets production to be produced by the Jim Henson company. Once Disney purchased the rights to the Muppets franchise and they went out on a bad, on a bad note. Um, before filming abc announced that the production uh, would adapt elements from the original 19 uh, 1900 book rather than the 1939 film such as the silver shoes instead of ruby slippers um on august 25 2004 it was announced that hillary duff jessica simpson and ashanti just a murderer's row of early 2000s actresses you would see and stuff um Auditioned for the role of Dorothy Gale, but Ashanti had won the part. When asked about how she felt about working with the Muppets, she replied, quote, I love children, and to me, the Muppets are just like little kids. Um, 7.75 million watched the Muppets Wizard of Oz on its television premiere night in the U.S. It ranked as the 42nd most watched television program of the week, which seems slow, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Um, So Muppets Wizard of Oz. It's not great. It feels like a TV movie, like strong, but it's also like it's also a fucking weird movie. It's a weird ass thing because like, so the movie opens and it's Ashanti singing, and it like has little thing like a little thing you know in the left of the screen. Get for the YouTube people. The left of the screen when like you have a music video. You know, like with the name and the song, it like opens with that. So like, I'm starting, and I'm like, is this a movie or is this like a music video from the movie? But then it is the movie, and then it sh- and then Auntie M and her uncle Henry, Uncle Henry something, are played by Queen Latifah and David Allen Greer. Um, David Allen Greer is also is is incredibly funny though in this. He, he's only in it for a little bit. Um, very very entertaining though, um, and they like own this uh, this diner. Um, and the whole hook with the Muppets is that uh, Muppet Star Hunt is, like, looking for the next big star. And, um, oh, what is the... <laughs> and so, uh, so Ashanti, the uh, Dorothy is going to go and try out for this, but she, like, gets there and it's too late. Um, and the very... <laughs> The very first time you see the Muppets is like her knocking on the door of this bus and Rizzo the rat opens it and and like makes a joke about girls gone wild. <laughs> and you're like what the fuck? Um but so then like a tornado happens with some janky ass CGI. Like it like it, it like it's so it's such a there's a green screen and we're just moving stuff. It was bad. <laughs> Um, And so, and and instead of having a dog named Toto, she has a a shrimp named Toto who turns into Pepe the King (laughs) Prawn, who honestly is a a welcome addition to, like, the main crew, because he also is just, like, he's constantly making, like, double entendres, and he's constantly, like, trying to, like, grift something. At one point, he, like, has a cell phone out and is, like, trying, is pretending to be her agent. She's like, that's not even a real cell phone. (laughs) Um, but she gets to 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 uh, to Oz. Uh, Piggy plays like all the different witches, um, and then you have Kermit as the Scarecrow, Fozzie as the Lion, and Gonzo as the Tin Man. Um, yeah, it's a it's just it's a strange. You have like this uncanny valley CGI that's going on the entire time um when they get to the wizard at first like they have like the apparitions that happened instead of seeing the actual wizard who's played by Jeffrey Tambor and in like a very weird weird role um but uh like when they're going to see the apparitions in front of the wizard th- it's like this like playstation not even playstation 2 like playstation level level vibes of like the animation like the level of complexity to this animation like one of them is uh this dragon and it straight up looks like a dragon out of like spyro um one of when gonzo goes up it's like this kind of like hot woman kind of thing like the sexy lady you supposed to be like uh trying to uh trying to seduce him but it looks like it looks like kind of like a sexy lady that you would run into in like a playstation game like it feels like something from like morrowind or i don't know if you ever played on xbox the game fable uh or fable 2 feels very like that i don't know if i'm like not dating myself but like making obscure references but yeah anyway so like it seems like like kind of like that type of video game um and then she like Morphs while you're watching her into a chicken, so that she really seduces Gonzo, Um, which is a weird experience of like watching this woman in like really bad CGI like morph into a chicken. Um, but yeah, it's very it it is it it breaks a little bit. It does break a little bit from it's not really like a carbon copy of the Judy Garland movie, which is kind of nice. Um, but just a just a just a weird movie. Let me tell you the weirdest part of this. So at one point, they're at, they're with they're with Piggy who's playing the wicked Wiz, witch of the west. And they're going to like have this fight. And so then, I shit you not, they cut to a room in like the real world where Kermit the Frog is being pitched a fight scene by Quentin Tarantino. And like Quentin Tar- and quentin tarantino is like describing how they should handle this fight scene to kermit the frog and it's like they're like getting these like like the medium shot angles and like quentin tarantino's like getting like really close to to, like to the camera and so you're getting like his like weird long face and it's just like it's super strange and like i sent andrew a message during it going like why is quentin tarantino (laughs) This movie it's like it's like for how amazing the cameo of orson welles is in the muppets movie that's like the peak the the valley is uh is quentin tarantino popping up in muppets wizard of oz
1: i feel confident though that that's like why they did it like because of orson welles's cameo like 2005s like i mean I'm not saying it's peak Tarantino movies, but it's kind of probably peak Tarantino as like a public persona. So they were probably like, let's get a big director to talk about the action. And they just chose the first name that came to mind.
0: Now, now I'm, let's see. Now I'm kind of curious 2005. So that's two years before death proof. So after it was just after the first, first kill bill or both the kill bills. Yeah, it's it's at least after the it's at least after the first kill bill. So yeah, I mean, you know, you've got you by that time you've gotten Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, um, Jackie Brown, stuff like that. So yeah, you're kinda getting peak peak Tarantino. Um it's just a weird ass scene though. Because literally like it's like it breaks up what's about to become a fight sequence. Um, to like have him pitch if I what's the to to Kermit? Kermit's like oh, um. It's super. It's just it's super strange, um. But no, the whole thing feels like a TV movie. Ashanti's not good, <laughs> like just actively not good, um. At one point, instead of like getting caught in the poppy field where they like you know lay in the flowers and uh, go to sleep, instead they go to a nightclub pop- is going <laughs> with on poppies. The night. <laughs> they go to a nightclub with poppies, um, and Mister and Doctor Teeth and the gang playing, and they fall asleep in like Ashanti Fozzie, and uh, somebody, uh, oh, and and uh Pepe like fall asleep and then they have to, like literally have to drag them out of a nightclub which is a whole weird you know like like uh somebody's I saw somebody make a comment on on Letterboxd and they're like yeah the Muppets go to an opium den in this movie which is true um it's just a it's a it's a strange uncanny movie um you get to the by the time you get to the wizard uh like I said it's Jeffrey Tambor who just who seems like annoyed that he's in this movie to a degree um he doesn't have like the charles groden uh tim curry energy of just like let's let's like ham it up he seems like he's better than this and you're like no um you should you should be thankful that you got a, a muppets role um but it does you know it's kind of interesting um when i saw the note that this was like the last jim henson production company movie before disney started like really 100 percent taken over Um, And like it it does signal like really like the down, not the down, but downfall seems, but like the downfall of the Muppets before the movies we'll talk about next week, Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted, where um, they kind of rebrand and reinvigorate the franchise. Um, It feels very much like this, like this is very much a low point before you kind of have to like, I guess Disney was like, yeah, we really got to like get this thing going. When you throw Tar- Quentin Tarantino in as a cameo, you've known you know that you've like hit the bottom of uh, of Muppet. Yeah. Also,
1: like, I mean, it probably just shouldn't have even been a, like a TV movie. I mean, it sounds like that a pretty like half baked idea.
0: It's super half baked, and like, in like you know we were talking about before, like the Muppets and the characters. Like in this one, the like the different Muppets are super like they're super fun. Um, Fozzie's the lion; he's great. Um, Pepe honestly is probably my favorite in this because he's just Toto and like, he's like Toto by way of like Jeremy Piven and entourage. (laughs) He's just kind of like an asshole, which is fun. Gonzo is still like a freak. And this one, like instead of a tin man, he kind of like has like this technology, um, (laughs) <laughs> you get this great scene where like he gets uh, disconnected from the the, the, the app, like, computer apparatus that he's connected to, and then he like he puts his nose on again because he has to get his his nose connected. So then Pepe's like so yeah he's like because Gonzo goes this is I, I got to get my cell phone and that's when he grabs his nose and like screws it in because they make a lot of modern references in this movie they're very aware of like 2005 technology um <laughs> and so then like pepe is like looking at him he's like that's a cell phone he goes yeah and then pepe like grabs these two knobs on gonzo's chest and is like well and like he's like rubbing them and is like what are these and he's like those are my nipples they don't do anything <laughs> and it's like this weird like this kind of weird like semi-sexual scene that then pepe just like runs out but it's like it's such a weird non-sequitur where he's just like those are my nipples they don't do anything and pepe just like stares at him and then like runs outside um but but it like it kind of just captures like that just like weird energy like weird muppets energy um like piggy like when they go to the wicked witch of the west she like is doing like a like kind of like a fake reality show thing. And she has like the bad guys with her. Um, I don't know what the Muppets, with the Muppets name is, but she is like the, like the Italian gangster one is like her husband or her partner or whatever. Um, so he's like, Oh, he's like, he's like, no, you're doing a great job, baby. It's, it's like a mix between like, uh, James Gandolfini and the Sopranos and like Sylvester Stallone. He's just like, yeah, yeah, you're doing a great job, baby. <laughs> um, it's just like a weird movie and i think that's what what makes it bad is just like it you know you can tell the effort's not there for like um like you don't even have a lot of the frequent like frank oz is not even like anywhere near this movie you don't get a lot of the frequent muppet people it kind of feels half baked it feels like they just kind of were like even like you know we talked about treasure uh, treasure island feels very like natural this feels very like wizard of oz muppets like smashed together um and and it it in it does it's like it's very you know the muppets have always been like we talked like we've talked about like quips they make they they make like t- kind of topical humor jokes and things like that but it's you know i think for the most part it kind of works and in this one it just fe- it feels super dated it feels super like hello fellow kids you know <laughs> like technology is fun type situation um and it just feels really forced for like a for like a franchise that up to this point has been able to kind of weave in, you know, like we said with the Muppets movies, you have like every nineteen seventies movie TV star involved. Muppet Caper, you kind of have like these this you know poking fun at the British. Um, you have Charles Groden just being kind of a weirdo, things like that. Um, and then in Treasure Island, like just kind of like this horny manic energy, but then also like. Um, you know this adaptation it's this one very much feels like there's no effort in it and they were just kind of trying to cash in and uh they didn't try very hard so bummer yeah i don't know i don't i, I really i got nothing nothing that, uh, honestly the only thing i kind of liked it from it was just how like weird of a product it is um yeah, it's just a kind of it's a strange if like you're if you uh, I think if you're like if you're deep in the Muppets watch this. If you're not, if you're kind of casual Muppets, I wouldn't watch it. It's not worth it. Um, but if you're like deep Muppets, I like I like I wish honestly, I wish um Andrew or Jesse was on this to kind of talk about that one from their perspective just because um it just kind of feels like like all the kind of energy that that really like latches you on to <clears throat> to Muppets movies is like just like you can kind of feel Disney just like like taking all the essence out of it. It's a very sad affair. Um, but yeah, it's Muppets. You can watch it if you're curious. It's on uh, the Internet Archive. You can watch a pretty pretty solid um cut of it, and. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else is in it. No, literally, like Quentin Tarantino is like the third build star,
1: <laughs> and he makes one scene.
0: He has one scene, but, but yeah, Muppet. I don't know. Overall, it's it's a very boring like wrap up between the two of them because Treasure Island is is, it's far and away the better, <laughs> far and away the better movie out of the two adaptations. Um, yeah. All right. While well, i wrap up this episode of Cinematary. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cinematary and on Twitter and Instagram at handle at Cinematary and on Letterbox at letterboxd.com slash Cinematary where we post all the movies that we talked about in this episode. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash Cinematary. We always got a Patreon series coming up. You know, if you want to come and come and torture us with something, um, this is your chance. Uh, thank you to our patrons Cam, Chad Newsome, Candace Sisson, Ron Hayes Teresa Marsathi uh, Titus Arthur and Tyler Chandler Thank you so much for your patronage Like I mentioned before, next week We're jumping into our final Muppets episode We're going to talk about the Muppets Which is the Jason Siegel led um, Kind of revival In 20, is it 2010? Um, let me, I'm just doing Oh, 2011 the uh, the 2011 revival of the muppets and that one kind of i think kind of gets everybody that feels it feels very uh, i mean i've seen this i've seen it before it feels very like in spirit of like the muppet movie where it's very much built on a couple characters kind of following the muppets like along the plot but then a lot of like, different cameos for people who were popular in the 2011 <laughs> 2011 it also has uh, an incredible like a great like Chris Cooper, who plays the villain, is very much like in the uh, Tim Curry, Charles Grodin element of like he's just gonna fucking go for it. His name's uh was it Tex Richman? Yeah, Tex Richman, and he's super fun. Um, but we're gonna watch that as well as the follow-up movie from twenty fourteen Muppets Most Wanted, which is the the last the last of the, like. Well, not the last Muppet movie because uh, they had Muppets Haunted Mansion that came out a couple years ago, but the last of like this um, this brand of of the Muppets on like the on like uh, in theaters and stuff. So, which uh, sounds like it's going to be annoying because between Ricky Gervais and Tina Fey, that's just a lot of like energy. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. And that those are two very different energies, and like I may I say it, it's going to be a lot more because like Ricky Gervais is going to be doing his thing and Tina Fey is going to be doing her thing, and it's just going to be like clashing. And so. it sounds like a I don't know about that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> until next week, we'll see you then.